Friends, hello. Welcome to the After Hours Lounge. Welcome back if you are a regular listener, which, as I always say, I hope you all are by now. I've done plenty of episodes, guys. What's going on? Um, really, really excited about this episode. Um, those of you who listened to my episode last week uh, with a guy called Matt Barr, uh, Matt, Matt seems to be one of those guys. You guys probably got the, the vibe from, from chatting to him, but he's you know been in the industry a long time. He knows a lot of people. Um, and I saw that he had... Uh, got some drinks from a cbd company and i was like "Ooh, that sounds good uh and i I, you know those listened before will know i've got a bit of a relationship with cbd it's hugely helped my mom out um so with all that in mind i got in contact with the company they are called good rays um and they were kind enough to send me some drinks and i had one last night let me tell you i felt relaxed um so without further ado i am joined by uh one of the company's uh founders uh and ceo mr owen keenan owen thank you very much for coming to join me Hi, Sandy. Thanks for having me. Pleasure to be on board. Yeah, it's good. Uh, yeah, Owen, I, I assume you're Owen, aren't you? Because it's you're, you're Irish, so it's E-O-I-N, which really confused me when I was a kid because I remember there was an author with that name and I was like, how do I say his name? But it is Owen, Yeah, isn't it? it is, yeah. No, yeah. I was waiting I was waiting and anticipating to see whether you'd say it correctly and whether we'd have to re-record. But yeah, yeah bang on. <laughs> one, of the few, one of the few conversations I've started this week where you've, uh, you've got it right on, on the first go. Oh, nice. Well, yeah, maybe maybe bringing out my inner nerd. But as a kid, there was there was a book series called Artemis Fowl that I absolutely loved. And the uh, the author is called Owen Colfer and his name is spelt like that. And I remember being like, how do you do it? And then I think my parents told me, oh, no, that's that's how they spell uh, Owen in Ireland. So I was like, oh, cool. Yeah, it yeah. is. I mean, that's an absolute, absolute classic of a book. Yeah, we, oh, mate, we read all them. them and massive, massively popular in Ireland. <laughs> but yeah, the way I describe it is, Owen, but the E is silent, so spelled E O I N. But I think people see, look at it, and just think, what a vowel overload. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, me, yeah, me being from Scotland, being called Sandy, I'm used to like if I say my name Sandy and go to a meeting, people usually expect me to be a girl, which is quite funny when I (laughs) when I walk in and they're like, oh, you're not, (laughs) you don't look like how I thought you. Yeah, sorry, Um, (laughs) but yeah, that is is what it is. So anyway, um. Oh, and one of the reasons I, I was really interested to get you on is CBD is one of those things. It's there's a there's a lot of like I wouldn't say I wouldn't say controversy around it, but a lot of maybe a lot of misinformation and people are a bit sort of unsure about it and everything like that. So can you just give um, well myself as well, but and the listeners as well uh, a, a brief history of kind of who you are uh, and what you do? Yeah, sure. Look, I think there's there's definitely controversy around it. And there's also some people who, who look at it more as, you know, is this a trend or is it for the long term? And I suppose that that's what I'm most interested in. I mean, I've been working in cannabis and, and CBD for seven years, which um, is probably not that long for other industries. But for this industry, it's probably one of the longest in the UK and, and maybe in, in, in Europe. You know, I studied cannabis uh, policy at university, you know, as part of my social sciences degree. So, particularly looking at you know the social and economic consequences of of the cannabis industry and of the black market cannabis industry. Um, at the time, I was starting kind of tech businesses on the side. I was building an app for um, task outsourcing with some friends, but when I left university and was in that full time, I kind of realized actually this really isn't getting me out of bed with a real spring in my step every morning. And in fact, I was still so interested by this whole cannabis industry, which to me, it still seemed looking at the history of cannabis and looking at you know, the, the, the plant itself and the kind of actually going back 5,000 years ago as an original crop, as a medicine, as a fiber, 
it was nonsensical to me that this was illegal. And, and, and thinking about that and seeing what was happening in the States in the early 2010s, it became quite clear to me that I needed to go over there and understand actually what was happening in the industry. So I went over to California, I went over to uh, Canada, I spent some time in, in Humboldt County, which I'm not sure if people will, will know, but this is kind of essentially what they describe as you know, the mecca of cannabis. There, there's an area north of San Francisco, which 90 to 95% of the economy is based on cannabis growth, right? Oh, cannabis cultivation. Yeah, it's enormous. So, so these three counties, which, you know, takes three hours to cross basically for, you know, and it's this kind of triangle, um, which is just you know, known as the Emerald Triangle, which is just cultivation. It's super, super interesting. And this is, this is basically outlaws who've moved from cities in the US to kind of go and live outlaw lifestyles build crops, build a supply chain. And, and they started this in the 60s and 70s in search of a counterculture. And over time, they actually realized, right, this is a legitimate and a really profitable industry that has a really unique culture, genuine health properties, super sustainable plants. And it was just absolutely fascinating to spend time there. So I really understood you know, the product side, the production, the supply chain, the product development. And I was just fascinated by the culture and, and also the legitimization of this industry because massive industry in California. Um, yeah. And I think I've seen the benefits of the legal industry. So from, from you know, actually having regulated product in the market and having CBD products in the market, having all this innovation of extraction and you know, nearly personalized types of medicine as well. Um, and also everything from the taxation side. So for, on the social side of you know, how you actually build an infrastructure, how you benefit the community off the back of a legal market. Uh, so when I came back to the UK in about 2015, 2016, I very much romanticized this idea of having a, you know, a hemp farm or a cannabis farm and supplying the CBD trade, supplying the medical cannabis trade. Um, but really what I realized is where I could have a bigger impact is on the ancillary side, the innovation and the brand side. Um, cultivation, essentially, as a kind of market is very much, um, it is massively dominated and saturated and we nearly have all the plants that we actually need it's just making the best use out of them now um so i started a group called prohibition partners and which turned out to be europe's biggest cbd and cannabis advisory service i joined two guys who are starting that up there and we built that from a team of you know, three to a team of 30. um i also joined a events group called cannabis europa so worked as a kind of founding member there to bring together leaders from the international cannabis industry to enact change in Europe. So that was essentially working with your activists, regulators, politicians, industry leaders. Um, but after time, I think my passion was always on the consumer side, you know, bringing change and mainstreaming the plant uh, mm. to actually kind of change public perceptions and, you know, reduce the stigma around cannabis. And uh, I, I felt that in the space, in the CBD space, which is very, very nascent at the time, um, there wasn't a lot, a lot of people telling that plant story, like heroing that plant story, going back to the history of cannabis, you know, and even calling it cannabis. People call CBD, but they don't call it cannabis, right? Mm. Um, and I was kind of talking about this topic on, on, on stage at Cannabis Europa in, in the South Bank in London when I met two guys after the show um, called Justin Stone and Chris Kelly. And Justin had started a big e-commerce business called Surfdome, yeah. which you may know as a, as a surfer. I'm, I'm very aware of Surfdome. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think we've all, we've all shopped there. Uh, and giant. Yeah, absolute giant. And he'd, he'd left that company where he'd exited it. Yeah. Um, 
and was using CBD. He would become a massive consumer, a massive advocate. So we were chatting about the brand side and building the e-commerce side. Met a guy called Chris Kelly as well. Um, who was a friend of Justin's. Chris had started something called Copa 90, which is a big football platform. Um, had exited that, but knew a lot about kind of the audience side and connecting on the culture marketing side. So together, we really put our heads together and, and brought in a fourth co-founder and a guy called Owen Tozer as well, um, who's a good friend of Matt Barnes, who he had obviously last yeah. week as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So to, together we put our kind of different, uh, you know, hats on and we started Good Rays. And I suppose, you know, obviously the vision is to help people, you know, drink different, you know, feel good every day as part of a wellness routine. And I suppose from the product perspective, we wanted to create something that was truly effective. So that's why we have 30 milligrams in each can of CBD. It's robust. It's really well tested from seed all the way to sip. So throughout the supply chain. It's delicious. Well, we believe it's delicious. Um, looking at kind of accessible flavors as well with exotic flavors and always having a kind of subtle undertone of cannabis flavors as well mm. as part of our you know, mission to kind of hero the cannabis plant and talk about the cannabis plant and normalize it. So, yeah, we launched last year. The reception has been, been really amazing. And I think people have found real benefit, particularly during lockdown, in having a drink that can help them relax and unwind that isn't alcohol. Yeah, I think that's that. That's one of the biggest biggest points that I really wanted to raise with you is one of the huge things that I actually chatted to with with Matt last week, and it's amazing the amount of people I've spoken to that seem to be having the same thing. Is everyone's relationship with alcohol has changed, um, especially in the last you know few months? Because suddenly people are not going out and they're going actually. I'm still having a nice weekend, just going for a, a walk or whatever, but we're not stopping at a pub. We're, we're just going for a walk and coming home and then we're cooking some nice food and things like that. And I think, you know, people's people have decided to become a little bit more holistic about themselves. And especially because we're in a pandemic, I think people's health has come into question as well. And they're going, actually, how maybe maybe the three or four pints every couple of nights isn't isn't the best thing for me. And it's something I'm questioning as well. And, you know, w without maybe sound, sounding a bit odd, a lot of the people I've spoken to have perhaps been a bit older than me. I'm 29, but I'm still having those thoughts as well. You know, I, I get, I don't know, without sounding ageist, but ha perhaps people, you know, approaching 40 and things like that. I think naturally you do perhaps start scaling back on your drinking and things. But I mean, I'm, you know, I'm 30 in a, in a couple of months. So you know, you'd think that I'm probably still having a few drinks, but I'm even I'm kind of like, well, I don't know. You know, I, I think the culture has hugely changed. It has. Yeah, I think I think fundamentally our relationship with alcohol, one, it changes over time. Right. The, yeah. the, the recent zeitgeist is very much, you know, health, wellness. And, and for us internally, like we're all moderators. That's one of the reasons we got into this is because, you know, we, we're not anti-alcohol and, and I see great benefit of alcohol. Alcohol is a great connector and provides really great social experiences. But for me, I'm, I'm a moderator. I, I, can't, I can't drink a lot of alcohol anymore without feeling really bad the next day. Yeah. You know, I, I, need something, I need something that also helps. And I think it's so rare to find a beverage which helps you relax, unwind, and de-stress, which, which isn't alcohol. I mean, that's essentially yeah. never existed before. We've got so many different functional drinks from energy drinks that give you a huge boost. You know, you've got your gut health drinks in kombucha, but there really hasn't been something which is just you know, relaxation and which is healthy. And that's, that's one of the reasons we've gotten into this is because we just see that as such a big and interesting opportunity, right? There's 
so many people who are moderating, particularly midweek, um, you know, Monday through to Thursday after work, instead of going for that bottle of wine, that, that can out of the fridge, that beer yeah. bottle out of the fridge, which some people call and, you know, kind of empty drinking as well, which isn't necessarily around the social connection. It's more out of habit than anything yeah. else. And having a relaxing alternative to that and, and, and something which we think tastes good. And it's kind of exciting, you know, to talking about a CBD or a cannabis seltzer is a new experience. It feels like a step forward rather than a step back, which I think a lot of people have a perception around that when they talk about no and low alcohol. Well, I think that, that that's really interesting as well, what you said about the the drinks. And that was something that surprised me. I mean, uh, with, without this turning into just a massive advert for Good Race, but because you, you sent me some cans. And like I said, I think I said it before we hit record, maybe after, but those who follow me on Instagram will know as well that I started jujitsu last year. I did a couple of podcasts about it and everything. I completely fell in love with the sport. And yesterday was my first time back at the gym. So I came back really sore and I was really excited because I had this, this can and, and I had it. And something that really surprised me was it was a the the raspberry and guava flavor and i was like oh, it's going to be like tropical punch and it's not it's a really subtle flavor and you can taste that kind of cannabis thing and what you said there about championing it and things i think that that almost compares to like the vegan industry doesn't it where they're trying to make it look as close to meat as possible that you literally can't tell and things like that and there's quite a few people that don't like that and there's a bit of pushback on that do you is that the kind of thing could could you compare it to that where you kind of I, I guess I'm, yeah. I guess I'm answering my own question, but you're you're really you're really trying to champion that plant rather than just make something that tastes like tropical juice from Tesco, but it's got CBD in it. Oh, that's that, I mean that's 100. percent You hit the nail on the head. Is one of the things that like if it's going to be a step forward, right? It has yeah. to be something that's unique and memorable and refreshing. It can't just be a lemonade plus CBD, which is which is fine, and it obviously has benefits and it's functional. But at the same time, it's it's not an original consumer experience, and it and it doesn't tell the story of, of the cannabis plant. And I think when people focus too much on just having a CBD brand as opposed to having a, a cannabis drinks brand or a cannabis CBD that does CBD, um, you you end up kind of not I don't want to say misleading the consumer, but you you need to be transparent about what the actual ingredient in the drink is so yeah. that's why we call it a cannabis seltzer a cannabis drink yes it's cbd no we don't have any thc so you won't get high but we need to be transparent that our main ingredient is cannabis sativa l it comes from the hemp plant it comes from the cannabis plant it's the second biggest compound within there but i think it's a good point in terms of you know how do you actually do that because you know in our kitchens all the time we're trying to create these formulas which as you can imagine offers a certain amount of complexity like mm -hmm. actually getting to the, the raw ingredient and making something which is you know, water soluble which is delicious as well and i think yeah. a lot of people probably don't understand the complexity of the cannabis plant i mean i've obviously spent time on on the kind of actual outdoor farms when you get that smell that smell of hundreds of different terpenes which is everything from pine to lemon to um you know herbs you get such an amazing complex smell mm. from every different type of plant and every different type of strain and it's just trying to bring just a little bit of that back into people's attention and, and experience so that when you open a can you get a little bit of a hint of oh, there's something totally unique there and i think from a consumer experience as well is you know if we're putting cbd properly in there you, you want to get some kind of experience on the nose or on the mouth that you're actually tasting some cannabis, you're tasting some CBD. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> I think it's, yeah, 
I, I think, like you said, that's the only way it moves forward. Otherwise, people are. Otherwise, to me, it's viewed still as a bit of a gimmick. It's like, oh, I've got a can of Coke, but it's got CBD in it. Do you know what I mean? It's it, it does become yeah, almost not a joke, but but yeah, a gimmick. Yeah, exactly, and, and that's the thing. I mean, anyone anyone can make that, right? Anyone can yeah. put. Well, if if you've got the right. Um, if you know the right supply chain, you do the right compliance, all that kind of you know kind of standard stuff and all that safety stuff. You know, Coca Cola <coughs> can go re- release a CBD product if they want. They just add add CBD. But I suppose that's not what really gets us exciting. What what gets us excited is this kind of telling the story using the plant in you know within the ingredients, within the flavoring, and then we have this longer term vision of using the plant throughout everything as a part of a sustainability initiative. So it becomes part of our packaging in the cardboard. It becomes part of our merch in our t-shirts and our caps. Um, and then also off the back of that, we plant hemp because it's 10 times more effective at sequestering carbon than trees. So you have this proper product and plant story throughout the supply chain rather than just tapping into something which feels um, which people can sometimes uh, confuse as a trend. Yeah, exactly. Um, t- taking it back, Owen. I mean, maybe maybe this is not the not not an appropriate question to ask, um, but you know, we're not we're not live, so it's okay. Um, but where 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 did this interest stem from for you? I'm really interested to know because you, you said you did it as part of your social sciences degree. You're obviously hugely intelligent, you know, de- developing apps when you were younger and things like that. But where where did this? What why why cannabis? I mean, did you did you smoke it a lot as a teenager or anything like that? I don't want to incriminate you on here. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about it. I I smoked an awful lot of it when I lived in Egypt and things like that. So we, we'll talk about that later. But did you? Yeah. Where where did that? initial interest go i really want to know more about this plant yeah no it's really it's a really good point and i think we should be transparent to, you know about that kind of stuff as well right we should be have open conversations around it really? and, you know I, I try and do as, as much as i can without uh, off-putting off people yeah. um but yeah i look i i'm not not so much as a as a teenager uh more so i suppose you know um 1920 and i think definitely to like relax and de-stress and that and get creative as well i found it super helpful with that and also connecting with friends i mean that that was an amazing thing i think coming coming from ireland as well like trying to avoid and this is part of the moderation piece is like not not be drinking all the time basically you know not be drinking and and also i mean i i found every and this is important to say that everyone reacts to cannabis differently so yeah. there might be people there who've had negative experiences and i i totally understand that and i'm not trying to push this on them it's a complex plant there are 120 compounds all of which can have a different effect um but my personal experience has been one of um one of like really positive you know either connecting with people, relaxing and, and helping to kind of de-stress the mind, but also, you know, connect with nature and outdoors. I mean, I used to do, we used to do a lot, you know, kind of hiking, you know, sailing, surfing, and all of these experiences would usually be, be aided by cannabis. And um, I mean, I thought it was a very healthy way of, of unwinding and relaxing, but of course that is dependent on, you know, the, on the actual plant that you're getting and the regulation and the, and the safety and the compliance <laughs> and testing and dosing as well, right? That's a massive issue. I was very fortunate enough to get a bit of an education, you know, from, from either my travels and experience on the work side about how to actually dose effectively, right? Because that's such a massive issue. And people, I think, have, have obviously had negative experiences and th- there will be people out there, of course. And I, my personal 
idea there is that they just people haven't been either educated, dosed correctly, or they might have adverse reactions because of the complexity of the plant or because of pre-existing conditions. All of those things are legitimate as well. But I think having a legal market in place, you give people a much better chance to have a better experience. Yeah, it, yeah, exactly. No, that, yeah, that's that's interesting as well. Yeah, because it, it was something I really wanted to ask you was whether you were like a, a consumer first, basically. But I guess you know, obviously, of, of course, you are. And let's yeah, let's, well, and to be yeah. to be honest, there, there is a there is a funny kind of internal uh, industry dialogue. There's a little bit of conflict between like you know the consumers and the non-consumers. You know, and some people are like you know the the consumers versus the suits. I I don't believe that, but I'm not as hardline on that. Like I do think that this as an as an as an industry it does require a certain legitimization um that you will get from 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 non-consumers you can't expect everyone to be dead hardline consumers um, no of course but yeah, yeah. yeah. For, for, fortunately for me on the product development side you know having experience experience and a knowledge and a real interest and passion for the plant has really helped us create something good yeah well yeah there's there's the old uh, the old saying of the don't don't get high on your own supply isn't there you know, yeah so- there's, yeah, or hang around really... somewhere long enough, you get a job in it. So uh, yeah, well, that's kind yeah, of what yeah. happened to me. <laughs> well, it's a yeah, it's a good, it's a good, good job to have, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I the, the funny thing for me, I, I guess I've lived a, a fairly strange existence. I didn't go to university. I I moved to Australia when I was eighteen and and learned became a windsurfing instructor and basically have spent the last it was only in the last two or three years that I've kind of moved back to the UK. I spent every summer in Greece. Uh, I lived in Egypt for two or three winters. And obviously it was really Egypt for me that was my introduction to it because obviously Egypt, Muslim country. So there's pretty much, there's very little booze, you know, no, none of the restaurants serve it, anything like that. But the the Bedouin population and everything like that, they they smoke they smoke a lot. You know, they, they consume a lot instead, shall we say. That's a better yeah, way it's, one of, it's one of those super interesting things is that like, and I started looking to this quite early. Is like the, the the actual history of the cannabis plant. I mean, this is this is one of the world's oldest and most misunderstood plants, right? This yeah. is a plant that was cultivated during Mesopotamia. You know, this is used with the Romans, the Scythians, even the the founding fathers of the U.S. used it, right? So it has actually provided, you know, fiber, food, and medicine across time and space. So yeah. it's, it 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 is it is present almost anywhere you go, which I find fascinating so it's actually only in the recent history that we've criminalized it it's only only the last you know the best part of the last century that it's been illegal you know before that it's been around for five thousand years yeah i mean if if i'm honest i'm by nowhere near as educated as you i think i got my history of it i got my history of it from that first five minutes of pineapple express where they explain what (laughs) happens you know but yeah like like you said i'm very aware that it was it is it is a fairly recent thing and they it was it was i think it was very much demonized um, and it and it still is in parts of the world, you know. I know c- certain, like you know, you go to Bali or something, you get caught with a joint in your pocket, and you go to jail for twenty years and things. Why do, do you think it's purely misconception, or do you think it's because cannabis has been thrown under the bus with all the other kind of drugs on the market that perhaps do have a more negative effect? Yeah, I think I think a combination of both. So um, if you look at like the the, the original. Um, history of how it became criminalized you've got people like um harry anfield and richard nixon right they went to criminalize and target cannabis and and predominantly cannabis users right which were targeted as as the hippie population and the reason they wanted to outlaw it was because it was part of the counterculture 
because it was it, at the time it was anti a lot of policies, so or anti-government. Um, so that's one of the reasons it actually became outlawed. And then, of course, it was the U.S. to put international pressure on other enforcers to massively outlaw it. So you know, in you know, when you go to Bali, you go to um, Thailand, which obviously historically, or over the last kind of fifty years, have had very very strict cannabis policies. Those were originally pressured from the United States, which which basically had a vendetta against the plant. Um, and part of that is rooted in racist mythologies about um, you know cannabis being used by certain um, disenfranchised communities or by uh, marginalized communities and being part of a counter or the fear of it being part of a counterculture revolution. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I've, you know, yeah, you hear that a lot. And it's always something that, you know, kind of strikes me is like, like you said there, the US were kind of the, the, the figurehead of uh, criminalizing it. And now they seem to be well, almost the figurehead of decriminalizing it as well. Um, something that's always interested me and something that people always talk about when it comes to legalizing it and things is, is the tax side of it. Or if you taxed it, it would create X amount of billion let, you know, in our, in our economy and, and all this stuff. How, how, how true is that? And, and has that, has that been seen in your experience over in the U S because for us living in the UK, it's still very much kind of part of the counterculture, isn't it? You know, it's still demonized quite a lot. It is, yeah, and look, we'll, we'll 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 only tell over time, right? But if you look at Canada, you look at Washington, you look at Oregon, yeah, how much taxation they've brought back in, and we're talking this is a billion dollar industry here, right? Yeah. And this is not only job creation, this is as you say taxation, which feeds back into the community from education, from you know roadworks to um, to health services. It it it, ha- it has massive and far reaching <clears throat> implications. Um, and also, when you when you look at you know the, the safety and and the money the money saved from policing it, you you have a massive saving, and then also taxation base to go spend on better programs, whether that be um, rehabilitation services for people who've been addicted to opioids or, or other kind of drugs. Um, you have you know kind of social infrastructure, education, health services, all those kind of things. It's when we're, we're we're talking about billions here as opposed to as opposed to hundred millions. Like this is yeah. this is a massive amount of money. So I think you know from my experience, it's it's obviously been something very positive. And when you look at the the infrastructural point of view, it's definitely something that we we expect to see and we will see. And I think if we keep an eye on what's happening in California, Oregon, Washington, those leading states, you, you'll start to see where that t- t- taxation gets spent. And obviously, look, this is a this is a massive influx of, of tax. It probably won't be spent really efficiently in the initial years but over time we'll actually see a pretty pretty useful setup being uh, formulated yeah yeah exactly no it, <clears throat> sorry excuse me it's just it's yeah it's just something that's always interested me and like i said you know it's one of the reasons why i just really wanted to to get you on and chat to you and hopefully the listeners are finding it as interesting as i am because there is so much just sort of information out there about this plant and about the wider industry you know you but all we kind of all we kind of see from the outside is, oh, Seth Rogen started a company called Houseplant and he's made a 500 million in his first quarter or, so, you know, something silly like that. Um, you know, it's, it's there's just a lot of information out there and I think it can get a bit overwhelming, especially if, if someone's going, oh, I'd, I'd quite, maybe I'd quite like to try this and, you know, things like that. And you're finding people, you know, I said before we hit record, like my mum started using it and things like that. And, you know, 
my mum's pretty pretty liberal and she's always been you know very liberal but you know she certainly wasn't like in the garden when we were kids smoking up a joint and things like that you know she she doesn't you know never did that and she's very open she never never did it as when she was younger anything like that but now she takes cbd every day so are you are you finding that that more people that otherwise wouldn't have been interested are now suddenly starting to take notice Oh, 100 percent. I mean, the public perception is massively changing and right. we do have some of these legal states in the US to, to thank for that. I mean, the public perception now in terms of actually how many people think that cannabis should be illegal across medical and recreational is tiny. It's less than 10 percent. Right. You know, and then you're actually looking at the majority of people believing that we should have some kind of legal um, recreational system. We, should, we also have a, a vast majority of people thinking that we should have a legal medical system. And we're starting to see that being rolled out as well, although it, it being incredibly slowly. But I also think we have CBD to thank for that. We have CBD in the mainstream to thank for that. CBD helping to show people that there are natural parts of this plant which are non-intoxicating, won't get you high, and, and they're really good for you. And they're really good for sleep, anxiety, de-stressing. I mean, you know, a lot of our users obviously use this to as a transition mode during a stressful period of the day to relax and reset, to find productivity or balance you know they drink good rays in the evening to unwind de-stress and, and and as i said usually midweek is part of a, an overall wellness routine and i think that explosion in, in wellness interest has really helped cbd and as a result bringing up cbd is also bringing up cannabis and i think from a brand perspective that's our point right cbd is out there now people people are getting it we're trying to bring a really legitimate well-tested product that actually also tells the story of the plant and also also has the really high quality products on the market basically which will be effective which is well tested which is traceable uh, and, and which is telling the right kind of stories and communicating with with, with with the audience but i think when you look at also the studies that are coming out you know from 1980 to 2018 you've got about 83 studies on CBD and anxiety, for instance, since 2018, that, that number has skyrocketed. But mm. you know, we're really seeing a reinvestment now in the research that was so difficult to do during the criminalization period. And I mean, the data, the results are, re are, are overwhelmingly positive, right? In terms of users that are coming back and reporting, you know, decreased levels of anxiety, decreased levels of stress, better sleep, quicker onset time of sleep, and, and, and more uninterrupted sleep hours this is this is showing that it's something really really useful and you can just look at the anecdotal evidence you look at the reviews of most products people are people are finding it super super helpful and then i think if you tell that story of cannabis behind that as well to say look this isn't just you know this is cbd and obviously it's super effective this is the plant that it comes from you've got a wider social mission there as well um which is something that we're really interested in so yeah i think i think perceptions are definitely changing as a result of education as a result of the mainstreaming of CBD, of, of the improvement in the quality of products, in traceability, transparency of brands, and, and, and better communication from brands. Um, and that's something we're, we're incredibly thankful for. And I think something we probably focus on almost every day. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's, I, th I think it has, it has changed hugely. I remember, you know, a couple of years ago, you, even, even from my side of it, you know, as we said, you were knowing the surfboards behind me and, and me coming from that water sports background, even suddenly we're no, you're noticing athletes within the industry and things like that are suddenly sponsored by CBD brands and, you know, peddling this stuff. And I think initially you were like a bit skeptical and like, why, well, you know, is it another one of, you know, like that boom bod diet? Is it like a diet thing? Are they just saying it relaxes you? But 
I think the, the proof is in the pudding now a couple of years later. Um, can you can you kind of, you know, break down and this is just as much for me as for, for the listeners. Can you break down actually the the process of because there's also a misconception around there of, oh, you know, and even even my girlfriend who's a teacher. And I'm like, have some, you know, she came home. Obviously, it's been a very stressful year for her in the last year. But she's like, can I have some CBD? I shouldn't have some in the evening. What if they drug test me at school and the next day and things like that? And I've <clears throat> I've very much been like, no, nah, just, you know, we had we had the gummies before. So I'm like, just just have a couple and it'll, you know, chill you out and whatever. But I was kind of just saying that, to be honest. Hmm. Um, I mean, can you can you kind of shed shed some light on on all that side of it? Yeah, I mean, I would always look out for, you know, 0% THC and, and always do a little bit of research on the brand, you know, if they have yeah. some level of transparency in what they're doing, you know, the ingredients that they provide, um, you know, you do, do a little bit of research into who, who the team was, can you even find the team? Are, are they legitimate people behind the product? If these are all good things. I think it's, it's important. It's important to also know the difference, the very basics, right? Like THC versus CBD. You know, THC yeah. is the compound that provides a high. CBD is psychoactive in the sense that it creates um, an effect within your body, but it's non-intoxicating. And, right. and how it actually works is important, right? Understanding exactly what you want from your CBD as well is really important and when you want to take it. I don't think a lot of people really understand actually how, how what CBD is and how it works. They know yeah. that... They know the benefit at the end of it and they know where to get it, but they don't really know the full process. And I think it's important to take people on that journey a little bit. And it's, 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 it's interesting because how it actually works in the system, some of it is still being worked out, but at a very top level, you know, what we have internally in our bodies is a thing called uh, an endocannabinoid system, right? Yeah. And, and cannabis has phytocannabinoids. So those different types of cannabinoids have reactions with each other across the receptors. So for instance, your endocannabinoid system is triggered when you put the body under a certain amount of stress, such as a run. So if you go running for 45, 50 minutes, you get what's called a runner's high. And that's actually your endocannabinoid system kicking into play, right? Mm. And the, the responsibility of the endocannabinoid system in the human body is to promote homeostasis, right? So it actually just augments and supports natural functions of the body. So if I use CBD, I'm supporting and promoting that endocannabinoid system to kick into play. So we use it for, you know, pain and inflammation, for instance, right? If you're a surfer and you, you know, you, 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 you hit, you hit your elbow on the bed, you, you've got, you know, you're, you're coming out, you've got bruising coming in and inflammation coming in. CBD and the endocannabinoid system, if that's functioning correctly, will be able to send receptors to the brain to release the right hormones and agents to come and reduce the inflammation and fight the pain. Mm. Um, same with anxiety, right? So uh, CBD is anti-anxiety, it's anti-panic, so that when your body is hitting into a flight or fight mode, yep. your, um, your homeostasis is kicking in to release hormones that will relax that and calm that system. Um, and the same with anxiety and stress. And that's one of the reasons, obviously, people use it for sleep is because actually they end up being less anxious, right? So it helps, you know, relax the mind before bed. That's why one of the reasons it improves, improves sleep. But it's funny. I mean, that's, that's a very top line basic level. And as I said, I'm not a scientist. I'm just more of a, no, of you course, know, a passion yeah. project as much as anything. But um, it's, it's interesting how few people know that. And I think 
explaining how all that works, the, the difference between THC and CBD is, is definitely helping consumers feel you know, more trusted and, 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 and more safe and more comfortable using CBD. I think that's it, isn't it? Because I think CBD is one of those things like we, we could probably all do with a bit of it. I know my, my, myself, both both physically, but primarily mentally, I think for me um, is I've, I've found it hugely helps just and especially recently, I've had real trouble with kind of switching my brain off. Um, and, and, and that it really does at the end of the day, just help you kind of flick that switch from work into chill mode, you know, um, for lack, for lack of a better term. But I think you, you don't necessarily, I don't know. Everyone's different, aren't they? Some people feel like they need to fully do their homework and completely understand it before they put anything in their body, which is totally understandable. Um, but I think you, you don't necessarily need to have a full scientific knowledge to understand it, but like you said, if they can just understand that they're not going to get high, mm. I think that's the, that's the main thing that people kind of are, are slightly concerned about. And that was the kind of thing with, with um, you know, going back to the, the big example I've got of it is, is my mum. You know, she's got a, a chronic back injury from uh, an accident she had 10, 10, almost 15 years ago. Um, and basically the discs are just pushing on each other and it's just kind of getting worse and, and things like that. And she really struggles to sleep. And last year I bought her some gummies and it, this was in the first lockdown last year. And I, I was up in Scotland, I went up to Scotland for it. And I bought her some gummies and she ate two or three, they're 10 milligram gummies. Um, and she, the next morning she was like, I, I slept all night. And she was mm -hmm. like, I can't. And it, that, she, that was the only thing she did different. And she was like, I right. can't, I could, yeah, couldn't, couldn't believe it. And that was the introduction. And I think over the course of a few months to now, you know, about a year since, obviously her tolerance has changed now. So she has to take a few more and things like that. So for me, seeing it from a physical level, I was like, holy shit, this works. Like it literally yeah. it works. It's, it's undisputable. And I know everyone's different as well. But to me, I was like, this is undisputable. Yeah, I mean, look, it's, the, the data is still being gathered. But if you look at any anecdotal evidence, you talk, you talk to any CBD consumer, it is so exciting to find that relief, yeah. right? which is, you know, in, in a natural form, which is good for you, which is sustainable. Obviously, you have to work on dosing over time. But this is something that doesn't have a negative effect. And it's like a lot of people, as you say, how do they unwind to switch their brain off? How do they sleep better? It's like, you know, a nightcap of alcohol. Like that's maybe not the most sustainable routine to get into, particularly if you're, you know, an early morning person sleep or alcohol at least isn't always great for um actual actually the quality of your sleep or improving anxiety and stress the next day i mean i know as i get older if i have two pints in the evening i'm i'm more stressed the next day and uh that's just the reality of it i think when people get their hands on it and try it and and it's worth mentioning as well that this is something that builds over time as well so as you take more cbd your endocannabinoid system becomes um, much more triggered and much more active. So it's not going to be something where you might take a take a you know a CBD spray or take a CBD drink and everything's going to be cured. It builds over time as part of a wellness routine. But personally, having seen you know, the effect on my stress, the, the, the improving the quality of my sleep and seeing so many you know, friends and family use it for pain, I'm, I'm, I'm 100% convinced. And I mean, that's obviously why one of the reasons that we've actually created this and one of the reasons we've put so much investment into the actual product itself and making sure we've got, you know, good, clear quality doses and good, clear manufacturing process that we can show how transparent this is, that there's, you know, 0% THC it will not get you high. You can see that on the can 
Um, and it's, it's all natural, right? It's an all natural solution. I think, you know, when you look at the US states as well and what they've done there and particularly how people have used CBD and to a certain extent THC for chronic pain issues, um, mental health issues sometimes as well, the right doses and um, under the right supervision, you, you see a massive decrease in, in harder, uh, more destructive drugs as well, um, yeah. which is super exciting. Yeah, exactly. That's, yeah, that's really interesting. Your, your last point there. I mean, I being, being fully transparent when I, when I lived in Egypt, I mean, I was early twenties. I lived with my three other best mates or whatever. It was very, very cheap in Egypt. So we used to consume a fair bit of it. And it, it was very much part of the culture. You were windsurfing all day and you come in and it's a beautiful sunset and you go and sit on the roof and then you, you know, go sit on the balcony and have one and then you sit and watch a movie in the evening. And it, it was it really was part of the culture. I found now when I've had it, oddly enough, when I have THC now, it, it has the reverse effect for me. It makes me really paranoid and anxious and kind of wig out a little bit. Um, whereas yeah. before, and I, I don't know whether that's situational or whether it's me getting older. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I, to be honest, I don't, I don't think it's the getting older thing. I think, you know, particularly in the UK, we do need to talk about cannabis and mental health and, and the risks, right? Because as you say, there is product on the market there that can have the opposite of the intended effect. And I think, you know, at high doses, certain cannabis strains can exacerbate pre-existing conditions. But the fundamental issue driving cannabis cultivation into the black market, you know, which creates and incentivizes really fast growing super strength plants that yeah. packs a serious punch, which makes it incredibly difficult to dose, is the, is the, is the black market, right? It's, it's, it's pushing this underground. If you look at the plants that people smoked in the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, you know, which is much more sustainable, mm. those plants were at a thc level of four percent which is very which is low sustainable now when you look at thc products on the market in the uk and, and elsewhere of course in the states as well it, we're closer to 30 percent thc right so so that's been driven up by um the criminalization of cannabis and a little bit more education on the plant, better dosage, how to consume, will yeah. all improve that as well. And I think in you know in, in a legal environment, as I, as I said before, we have an in infrastructure there to to have access to really high quality plants as well, and you know take people on the journey of understanding exactly how to dose, go low, go slow, um, and we then have an infrastructure to, and a health system to treat patients with conditions like anxiety, depression, even PTSD, and we can identify the patients there that might have adverse reactions to these plants in advance. Absolutely. Yeah. I think, I think, yeah, you, you're, you're completely right. I think, you know, different strains and doses and, you know, by the sounds of it, the percents, what you said there, it's, it's the comparison of having a pint of beer in the evening compared to having a pint of whiskey, you know, it's, it's, it, it, it's exactly that. And for us living in Egypt as well, I think it was very natural, you know, they just grow it out there. We used to have to de-seed it ourselves, you know, they deliver it to us in a bin bag. Um, you know, so I think it was literally a plant, whereas you, you see it in the UK and, you know, maybe it looks a bit more like the weed that you see on in Pineapple Express or whatever. But, yeah, it it you, it definitely tastes perhaps a bit more chemical, doesn't it? You know, and like, like you said, black market, there's obviously there's always going to be a lot of corner cutting, isn't there? Yeah, there is. And one of the things I always find interesting as well is like, yes, of course, there are the risks that any drug right and particularly any drug that we get still get from the black market and stuff we don't have education about and less control over um product regulations and, and all those kind of things as well but in actual fact 
you know, the, in terms of physical safety against cannabis, you know, no users have ever, have ever actually died from cannabis and you're more likely to get hurt with cannabis on you rather than in you, yeah. you know? So if it's on your, if it's in your pocket rather than in your system, you're more likely to get in, in, in any kind of physical trouble, which is, you know, an absolute shame. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a really, that's a really good point actually. Um, and it, yeah, it's definitely true. Going, going back to the, the kind of mental health stuff, you kind of said you, you took it and it, it really helped you, um, you know, with, with stress and things. I mean, I've literally only just met you. So maybe this is a complete assumption, but obviously you said you sort of developed an app and you, you're doing this and obviously you've got other things going on. So from, from the outside looking in, I'd look at yourself as like a high functioning individual. You know, you're not, you're not, you're not necessarily part of the, part of the, the counter culture. You're not a stoner, you know, for, for lack of a better term. Um, do you are you finding as you're navigating into the CBD spot? You've been in it for years, but going into it, it being involved with a with a business as well, is do you do you get a bit of pushback on that as well? Of people, kind of, do, yeah. do you know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, no, I do absolutely, absolutely, and I think I think like demystifying the the kind of stoner myth as well is really Im- important, right? You know, we we don't just have uh, you know Rastafarians all over our website. <laughs> you know, it's like. Um, like we do try and provide some legitimacy and also try and speak to a wider community there that is, that is interested in the plant or maybe kind of curious as well, who wants to go and find something from, from people who understand the plant, but yeah, that maybe are like somewhat high functioning as you say. Um, yeah. And, and, yeah and, and I'm really interested in, in the plant and making sure that there's like actually good quality stuff. And I think what we try and do is make that accessible as well for people. So you know, there, there, there is great like stoner brands and stoner products that speak to that demographic, but we're definitely more interested in bringing this mainstream as well and, and bringing people in and educating them that have had maybe um, some kind of relationship with cannabis in the past, but have maybe fallen out of favor with it or some people, kind, of, kind of curious people who are now interested and may have missed all this and want to understand and educate and um, find accessible products that they can get into. That's Those are the kind of people we try and bring in. And, and we also try and demystify it from a public perception as well as saying yeah. actually you know you know your mom is a stoner you know your you know your your uncle your neighbor like all these people are are high functioning stoners and they use it in a way whether it's cbd thc or whatever else to be creative to be productive to help relax to unwind um and there isn't just this one kind of signified uh persona of of, of the stoner or of someone who's interested in cannabis yeah i think yeah exactly that's it i mean you know going yeah like my my as i said my main example is is like my mom and kind of you know also myself it's one of those funny things as a teenager you know there was like kids at house party smoking weed and all this or you know whatever and i was all i was very anti i was like no i'm not gonna do that and and all this stuff and then obviously as i got into my you know early 20s and things like that and started traveling and things i was like oh yeah i'll try it and for me i think it's and going back to it i think it's always been situational for me um but as i'm getting older i think whilst the thc side of it i don't have a space in my life necessarily for that anymore and i've actually found it's negative now um but the the cbd has has definitely found a really good place in my life um and i've talked about it a lot on the podcast before you know my my own struggles with my my mental health and things like that and anxiety is a really a really big one for me um you know especially particularly over over the last couple of years and then it's only really been in the last year year and a half i actually got bought some cbd gummies for a secret santa 
um, with, with, I didn't even work for the company. My best mate did it. He was like, do you want to come along? So I was like, yeah, all right. So I got some Not CBD. I know. I know. I think I got the best one. Everyone else got kind of yeah. joke presents. And I got these, they were like in the shape of brains, these huge like Haribo things almost. I think they were like 10, 20 milligrams of sweet. So I was like, this is wow. epic. So after a big windsurf, me and my friend, we were like, right, we'll windsurf. And then we'll, and then we'll, then we'll eat them after. And we ate them and we were like, we were sitting on the sofa and I was like, the, the only way I can describe it is I was like, my body feels high, but my brain doesn't. And that yeah. was, that was, and that was after doing a, a lot of sport, you know, a good two or three hours on the water and things. So maybe a, a bit of tiredness and fatigue was in it, but I sort of had my hands on my legs. I was just sitting on the sofa and I was like, my body feels heavy, but really relaxed. But my yeah. brain, yeah, my brain, I didn't, I didn't feel high at all. 100%. I mean, it feels somewhat like physical relief for me a lot of the time as well. Mm. It's just, it's just you know, relaxing the body, you know, being more present, which is just so much better for decreasing anxiety and stress. And, and as part of a, as part of a routine, because obviously that is a routine, right? It's, it's windsurfing plus CBD and having that kind of combination and, and having that combination of exercise and sport and passions and creativity, as well as aided by natural CBD is is super super effective, and that's what I've definitely used it for as well. Is 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 is, is managing that stress as part of a, a wellness routine. So it's you know it's running, it's skating, it's surfing, whatever it is, plus plus CBD. And and it's to me it's such a massive relief sometimes to have you know a relaxing drink that doesn't make me intoxicated. You know that I'm not that I'm not feeling those effects of alcohol or feeling groggier in the morning that for me is, is massively beneficial and, and something that's so sustainable to use every day. Absolutely. And are you, are you kind of seeing, you know, uh, uh, from, from the good rays side of it, uh, are you seeing, I think, I think I saw on your Instagram, are, are you seeing like, you know, bars and restaurants starting to take an interest in it and go, actually perhaps our customers might actually, instead of having a pint, they might want it. So rather than, you know, feeling like you have to have a can and like sneak it into your house and, and sort of drink it on the sofa while no one's looking and things like that, or, you know, you buy the sweets in like a novelty shop and things, you know, are, are you finding sort of bars and restaurants are going, actually people might want this kind of with a meal or out with their friends of an evening? Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the, that's the best feedback we've got is from bars and restaurants. You know, that's they really look at this and they say, wow, something totally original, totally unique in, in flavor, in benefit, um, that's going to bring in a new type of consumer as well, back to the pub, back to the bar. And it's going to provide people with an alternative, either as a moderating drink or as an alternative to alcohol or as a premium mixer as well. So you're not drinking as much alcohol you're drinking better quality alcohol with better mixers and, and, and they've absolutely loved it you know you can get it down queen of hoxton colors book club in london you know got 50 listings down in the southwest as i mentioned you know down in you know, muscle shawl in port levin we're in you know kona bar in in, in format so um l- loads of places you can see them all on our on our website and on, on our linkedin as well we'll put up a full list shortly and um yeah, it's been exciting. I think that's one of the things we, we wanted to give back to consumers as well is to have a, a no low option or a premium mixer that is genuinely beneficial for people. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that's, that's really interesting. To me, that's a real change in the culture if you're finding, and perhaps it's been spurred on by the last year as well of them being shut and going, right, maybe let's try and attract, like you said, people from a, perhaps a different demographic or a lot of people's drinking habits have changed as well. But 
to me, looking at it from the outside, that seems like a real turning point. That actual established businesses, bricks and mortar businesses, and not just shop, you know, shops, but they're actually saying, right, people can come in and, and have this with a pizza if they want it, you know. Uh, or, you know, after, like you said, down in the southwest, you know, down in Cornwall, you know, after a surf, people come and, and have that because they've got to drive home, you know. Yeah, and we've, I mean, we've kind of built it that way. We spent like a lot of time in different, you know, kitchens building out the actual flavor. Um, and we wanted this something that can sit well with food, right? Something that you can have in conjunction with food yeah. um, that replaces either that bottle of wine in the evening or that beer in the evening, either as you're transitioning out of work and into mealtime as well is, is something that people really want from a drinks perspective. What about, um, you know, we've talked a lot about dosing, more, more I guess, about, about THC, but with, with CBD and things, you know, I've, I've Googled it before and, you know, I'm like, can you, have, can you have too many kind of things as well? You know, can you, can you have too much of it? Um, and I guess that's a question that another lot of people have. Of, Actually, if I have enough CBD, will I get a little bit high and things like that? Can you go into a bit about that? Because you're, obviously your, your can says you shouldn't have more than uh, 70 milligrams, I think. But I read, and this is Google, so definitely not an informed source. But Google was like anything up to 1,000 milligrams, which to me is a, 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 an enormous amount. Um, what, 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 what is the kind of dosing um, with CBD? This is if someone want, is wanting to take it for anxiety or you know, um, even physical stuff. Is there, is there a difference as well? Yeah, so I mean, we we put thirty milligrams in each can because that's that's an that's an effective entry dose, right? If you look at five, ten, fifteen milligrams, you're probably not going to get an effective dose in that to actually feel the full benefits of CBD. Um, we do recommend, you know, seventy is probably you know an area you should stick to per day. That that's what's recommended by um, the FSA in the UK as well. But as you say, absolutely, there are loads and loads of studies as well where people use up to a thousand, three thousand milligrams. Per day. I mean, I've 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 used up to that much. Um, and there are you know there are some effects you know in terms of liver function, but it, it, you know it's it's not it's not hugely dangerous. You're not going to get a high. Um, so yeah, we 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 obviously stick with a you know a moderately conservative you know thirty to seventy milligrams per day. And uh, but but my my good feeling is that that will be increased over time as we get a bit more data. Yeah. What uh what what happened when you consumed that much? Did did it like did it, I don't know? Maybe this is maybe this is a really childish question, but like, did anything silly happen, or did you just feel really relaxed? <laughs> it just felt really relaxed. Yeah, it just got it just got quite heavy. Like it did feel like um like I'd been on a long run, you know, I mean, yeah. Yeah, and and like you know I was had a lot of like weight lifted off my shoulders. Although everything felt heavier actually, you know, coincidentally. Um, but yeah, it was nice. It was quite nice. Yeah. Slept very well. Yeah, felt good. Yeah, felt refreshed um yeah no adverse reactions i think you can only really get adverse reactions if you're taking the 3000 milligrams every day and that just increases your liver function because you've got to digest something you know that's uh, that's yeah. going to be the case with anything yeah exactly yeah it becomes becomes a bit difficult um, too much of a good thing well i think that, that that's it as well you know unfortunately i think that's what um a lot of people run into is they suddenly go hang on a minute i've been taking this for ages and it's doing nothing now and i think that's that's why a lot of people have an issue with alcohol isn't it they start having a few pints of an evening to relax and they go right well this isn't working anymore so they have more and then they go right actually maybe i'll have a bit a glass of whiskey and then it i think it's a bit of a vicious circle or not a vicious it's a spiral you know um and before you know it you're you're in a you're in a spot of bother 
Um, yeah, 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 hundred percent. I think I think yeah, most of us have been there, right? Where it can spiral. I think that's that's one of the advantages of having something to break that up a little bit as well, or having something to even think about. If that's an alternative. Yeah, I think that's that's usually the case. And also, when you're sitting in bars and pubs and you're just really enjoying yourself, you know, you don't necessarily want to leave. You might not necessarily want to drink more. You might just actually want to just keep the occasion going, keep the keep the tradition going, keep the kind of social experience going, but you might not always want more alcoholic liquid, yeah. um, which I think is definitely the case for me. I've definitely been guilty before thinking I didn't actually want that last point. Last I didn't point, want yeah. that drink. I didn't need it. Um, but never really thinking outside the box there. It's just, you know, part of our routine, part of our culture nearly. Yeah. And this is something for, for, for me as well. And even my girlfriend last weekend as well, she's, um, she's not, not drinking at the moment. Um, and she, so she was driving the other day and she was like, it's not the not drinking that bothers me. It's the sitting there with nothing to drink. And you feel, you feel weird. Everyone else is sitting there with a can in their hand or a glass in their hand. And you're kind of just sitting there and let, you can't drink seven cans of Coke or whatever, can you? And, you know, just drinking water, you feel a bit, it, so I think you're, you're completely right. You know, you've hit the, hit the nail on the head. You, you kind of do want to sit there and do it, but you also want to keep being part of it you know yeah you don't want to feel like you're missing out right you you still want to feel yeah exactly as you say feel part of it that's that's one of the main reasons we we go to the pub right we go to the pub to connect we don't necessarily go to drink you know otherwise we'd be there every night by ourselves but we yeah. go there to have a, a connect a connecting social experience and to catch up with people that's that's really what we crave more than anything and then if you can have other types of liquids thrown in there whether that be you know, good rays or whatever else you know it's, yeah. it, it is only more sustainable and more beneficial. And interesting enough, like when you do talk to the, you know, the alcohol brands, the drinks guys, like they, they really like this because they get that more than anything. You know, they get that it's more a place about connectivity. And if that can, connectivity can be more healthy or more sustainable, that's only a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, Owen, uh, yeah, um, I've got a lot to think about and I'm definitely going to go and drink another can now. I feel really, yeah, it's really, it's really bad. I've only got six and I was like, I'm going to ration them for every time I go windsurfing, but I'm definitely going to go and have, a, have another one now and see what happens. Oh, absolutely. Look, we'll, 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 we'll get some out to you as well. Say yeah, no, 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 yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. Um, oh, I've got a couple of quick fire questions, actually. Just b- before I forget, I'm, yeah. Um, where is, this is, this is something I, I talk about quite a lot, uh, is, is people having a happy place and things like that. And it's only become more important in the last year where we've perhaps not been able to travel to that happy place or, or wherever we are. So um, where, where is your, your happy place? Click your fingers right now. Where, where are you, Owen? I'm, uh, I'm in a gondola. I'm going up. There's fresh powder. Um, I'm, about to, I'm about to ski for the day. I'm going to hike up, find my own fresh lines. Um, I met my girlfriend um, in a ski resort in Canada. Um, and we go, we go every year and that's, you know, one of our massive hobbies that we have together and it's just great memories all around. So yeah, that's definitely my happy place. Awesome. I've never, I, I went skiing as a, a, um, as a kid on school ski trips and I was like, this is, it was, yeah, I guess my first sort of thing into extreme sports, shall we say. So between, yeah, that, but then I, I went down the, the summer sports route, but I do want to learn. I've got a couple of friends that go to the Alps every, every winter and yeah, obsessed with it and things. So I, I need to, yeah, I need to get into it more absolutely yeah yeah absolutely let me know we'll, we'll we'll take you out for sure mate for sure um and then finally um something i have a huge passion for um is is kind of 
uh, film, TV and film. I'm a huge cinephile, I suppose is the is the word for it. But yeah, hugely into my my movies, everything like that. Uh, it's actually the, the reason I started podcasts is because I listened to a film podcast. Um, a lot of people think it's me- it was mental health and things, but it wasn't. I listened to yeah podcasts about the Marvel universe or whatever. Um, but what have you been what have you been watching over over lockdown? What's been uh, yeah what have you been what have you been checking out? Oh, what have I been watching? I this is a great recommendation. Get a and I imagine you have this is a is a BFI subscription. Um, if you don't have a BFI subscription, I highly recommend it because yeah. they curate movies and you don't get lost in a kind of endless web of you know kind of mundane recommendations. It's just a small amount of really good quality film where I watch a lot of great film on. Uh, Minari is one. Um, Shoplifters, which I loved. Um, TV, I've rewatched Sopranos for the, uh, I think, third or fourth time now, and um, I'm enjoying it even more than I did before. See, I tried to, my sister's um, watching The Sopranos for the, at the moment, and she's obsessed with it. I tried to watch it the other day, and I could not get into it. And I, I don't know, maybe my brain wasn't in the right headspace, but she said, and, and my other friends have said, it's, it's not one of those things, you, it's not necessarily story driven, it's just, it's character driven. So you need to get to know them first and then you get really into it. Oh, 100%. Yeah, and you can nearly start to predict the character developments as well. Yeah. well. I say predicted after I've watched it the third time, maybe it's just memory, but you also start to realize just how humorous it is, like the world that they've created. So exactly that, it's not necessarily plot or story driven it, it's it's the world that you get sucked into yeah and, and you become so a part of and it just becomes so entertaining and you become so engaged and connected with these somewhat awful characters yeah. like they're all pretty much terrible terrible humans yeah and you become somewhat sympathetic with these villains which is um which i find is quite weird kind of cognitive dissonance yeah no, yeah, you know, I, I do need, I do need to revisit it. But um, I watched Minari recently. Minari is really, that was a really nice film. There's another film you should watch, uh, The Sound of Metal, as well. It's another one of the Oscar ones. I don't know if you've seen that. That is amazing. Literally, we're going on Monday. So we're going on Monday oh. to uh, our our local cinema. I'm I'm really looking forward to it. Oh, that will be amazing in the cinema. It's the the way they you've they've used sound. It's it's about a guy going deaf. So the way they've used sound in it is, re- I'd love to see it in a cinema with the surround sound and things. I think it would be awesome. Um, perfect well i'd love to take your recording but i feel like uh, that might be against the rules no 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 no. yeah yeah make sure make sure you um yeah check that out yeah i, I watched that recently that's that's an epic film um well uh owen where can um where can people find information uh, about good rays where can they find it yeah loads of information on our website www.goodrays.com or you can find us on instagram at goodrays underscore great um and yeah, guys, check it out. As I said, had my first uh, tinny last night after jiu-jitsu and I felt bloody great and I slept like a baby, which I said, actually, I've been sleep- struggling with my sleep recently. So, yeah, that was nice. And I'm probably going to crack one open with my lunch as well. Uh, yeah, Owen, thank you so much for coming on. Such a eye-opening conversation um, about this. Hope you all listening uh, have learned something um, as well. Thank you very much to Owen once more. Uh, thank you guys for listening. You can find me at the After Hours Lounge on Instagram. Um, if you like what I'm doing, please share it with your friends or you can support the podcast by going to the link in my bio and you can buy me a beer. Uh, although I may have to change that to buy me a good raise. But as I say, all this talking is thirsty work. Um, and yeah, any support is very much appreciated. Um, as I said, I'm, I'm in this for the outcome, not the income, but the income always helps. Uh, thank you very much, guys. And we will see you for the next one.